interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better, Stronger, Together. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Our Friendly World with Fawn and Matt. Yes, we have three amazing people. We, we do. have a university professor, Mustafa Purmeti. We have two amazing comics, TV personalities, movie personalities. It's a slash, 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 so many things. Maz Jobrani and Tehran. Yay! And they could only be with us for like 40 minutes. And We, we start the conversation with Mustafa. They come in, they and come we in. continue the conversation with Mustafa. Yeah, they come in about uh, the 10-minute point, I think, of our show. And then they leave, and we kept the conversation going. We just kept talking. <laughs> Couldn't kept stop talking. ourselves. <laughs> Their time is very um, tight. And they had to go on to their podcast, which is Back to School with Maz Jobrani. We hope you enjoy. Have fun. Here it is. Hello, friends. Hello. Hello. Welcome to our friendly world. Today, we have three very special guests. I'm going to get right into it. Two of them will show up in about 10 minutes. But right now, we have a very dear friend, Mustafa Purmehti. Hey. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi, Matt. It's so nice to be on the show. A little background on our friend Mustafa. Mustafa is this brilliant university professor. He is a social scientist with a PhD in marketing. His website is next three. It's spelled N E X three dot X Y Z. If you want to get a hold of him, please do. He most is my mentor over the summer during the pandemic of 1920, 1920, 2020. Um, <laughs> I that was a while back. <laughs> we go way back. We do go way back. You were the most amazing mentor to me, not just to me, but our little girls. You just immediately fit in with the whole family. You're so nice. To you, me. Thank you. Well, I mean, you are the most brilliant professor because you have such a kind, gentle way to explain the most complex things that really angrify me. That's my own word <laughs> that I use in the house. Like, I'm angrified. Seriously, I I get so frustrated, especially with economics and business, and it just seems like things are set up from my perspective in such a way for you to never understand economy and business it's meant for this certain group over here and i always felt like an outcast and the way you explained it to me is exactly what i needed it was a caring human being with a soft voice just breaking things down for me in the most simple way but we, we were talking about complex issues having to I do think- with business Oh, it's my pleasure. I actually get a kick out of being able to present ideas to people and see that thing in their eyes when they actually, when the penny drops for people. That's what I really go for. And it's been a pleasure working with you and Matt on this project. It's a fantastic project. I'm really uh, happy that I've, I've had an involvement with it. Thank you so much. And... Can I, do you mind if I read a little bit about your bio? Oh, not at all. It helps with my vanity. (laughs) (laughs) So there are so many acronyms. Like when Matt come, when Matt used to come home from work, I'm like, honey, how was your day? And he, he would have sentence after sentence, like paragraphs of just acronyms describing his day. I didn't understand. But so here are a lot of, a lot more that. I still don't understand. You're an LTA lecturer at the University of Fraser Valley. I don't know what LTA means. Oh, LTA means limited term appointment. Uh, <laughs> I still so, don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, one of the most prestigious <laughs> acronyms uh, in our business. I changed my position in the pandemic when I decided for the move. 
Uh, I used to be a professor at the uh, University of Colorado at Boulder. A Leeds and, School uh, of Business, right? Leeds School of Business, that's correct. And I was contemplating on my move, but I was not really aware of the pandemic that was about to hit. And uh, so what happened was with the budgeting of the university, there were some hiccups due to the pandemic and the fact that the international student enrollments were going down. So my position became a limited term appointment because at the time of the pandemic, the universities were not really sure what the outlook of their market would be after the pandemic. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that's how that's, uh, you know, a lot of industries actually took a hit uh, due to the pandemic. Tourism industry, uh, you know, airlines, hotels, restaurants, uh, including many other ones. We're going to have a different world after this. Yeah, no, absolutely. In the computer world, all the rules are getting rewritten, even from how much office space a given company needs or where geographically scattering your employees is starting to look more and more attractive. This is going to be one of those instances of history that uh, we will be looking back at and we'll say, well, this changed the course of history. Right. Yeah, no, we, we, we like to call those C changes, but yeah, absolutely. C is an SEA. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, now I'm in Canada, actually, in the University of the Fraser Valley. It's a fantastic institution. I'm really proud of what is being done. I'm in the School of Business. I teach marketing, consumer behavior, analytics, statistics. And uh, it's just uh, I'm getting a kick out of it. The university stands for a lot of really excellent values of inclusivity, respect, all the things that you'd be excited to talk about in your podcast. And I also wanted to share what you do with technology. You're on the cutting edge. You're doing some amazing work, Mustafa, with technology. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, yes. I'm very much interested in how technology changes human beings. My research is about consumer behavior and marketing strategy. Technology has an impact on both of them in the way people go about their lives, the type of solutions they uh, find and they choose for their problems, and also in the way businesses work and equilibrate in the markets. I'm very much interested in that. I follow AI, artificial intelligence, I have a sister who is a, a fantastic researcher in the field of AI. She works for Ericsson company and they're working on a lot of cool projects that are going to literally shape the future of telecommunication, uh, like the very beloved 5G networks. <laughs> um, and uh, I personally am interested in blockchain. Now, blockchain is one of those equalizer forces that we're going to hear a lot about in the next five to 10 years. And it's going to basically distribute power in the general sense of the world, the word. When you look at, for example, how in many cases we give power to third parties to balance a transaction, oversee it, and make sure that both ends of the transaction are actually getting their bargain. Right. Uh, blockchain does that automatically through its code, and um, we will have better systems in the future. Things that governments do today, banks do, third-party global organizations do in terms of upholding consumer standards mm -hmm. uh, and all that, they will be monitored and enforced through the code, which is untemperable and is something that is open source. Everybody will have access to it. It is really fascinating how it's going to change our world. It, and uh, It's another example of kind of the democratization that we're seeing due to the internet. I mean, we saw that as far as how we can talk to others. There was the, you know, Egypt Spring protests, for instance, where they sent Facebook messages to let people know where they should and shouldn't be. And that's, you know, 
outside of government regulation. And I think uh, blockchain will take us further in that direction for sure and just make everything I, more and more level, level the field. Leveling the field it is. I love the keyword you used, Matt. Hashtag democratization of the, the, the data is actually what's happening. It's What they say is blockchain is doing to the world what internet did in the 1990s. The internet, uh, as you know, we dub it as internet, is internet of communication for the uh, most part. Right. Blockchain is going to be the internet of transactional data. We can dub it as internet of money, how value is transferred and exchanged. So it's, it's going to be fantastic. I can go on for hours about blockchain. Uh, you don't want to get me started on that. I do. <laughs> I do want to get you started on it, Mustafa, because, I mean... Our kids, too. By the way, they love you so much. They ask about you all the time. And I love them, too. They're really cute girls. Uh, and they're very, very smart. Thank you. They really are. They really yeah. are. And I just, I'm so grateful that you're in our lives because we need you and we love you. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, here's what I was going to say. I know that you're a little bit shy. You tend to run a little bit shy. But... <sighs> Can we do a whole show on this? Because I know our friends are going to be here soon, knocking on the door, the virtual door. Um, do you mind? Can we? Because, I mean, Matt, this is right up your alley, too. Why? Well, I have tons of questions. Oh, sure. I'd love to. Mustafa, yeah. can we do a special show on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in I the next few days? So, um, okay. Well, let's see. I I know that our friends are going to come in any second now. And let's see, here is where I will do an edit and, and describe exactly who they are. But friends, we have two friends. We have two amazing guests coming. Also amazing is, of course, our dear friend Mustafa. <laughs> These... I'm very excited to, uh, to see them too. Me I'm too. I'm a big fan of both of them. I am too. They they are both really brilliant comics, stand-up comedians. They are incredibly intelligent. Actually, Mustafa, you and Tehran. So our guests are Maz Jobrani and Tehran. You and Tehran have a lot in common. I mean, this guy gets on stage with his Tehran hat and his bathrobe, but he is legit super nice. super smart like this guy well he he is a lawyer so i'm not 100 percent. no i'm kidding uh, that's my lawyer? last that's my no, last no, joke of the day by the way because there's no way i'm even gonna pretend Hold on. so tehran is a double undergraduate degree has a double undergraduate degree a master's and he's a lawyer his master's is in economics mustafa this guy wow. i mean I mean, you you never know, you know, uh, watching him on the Internet. I know of Tehran. I've seen him uh, on, on YouTube. And the guy is so approachable. You never think he's a lawyer or an economist. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, a master's in economics. And well, I guess, but that that's typical of our culture. We're, our education is huge for us. Which is yet another reason I've always felt like an outcast because I never had the traditional route with anything, with not with my photography career, not with anything. It's like I've just been an outsider. And as far as education, I couldn't afford to stay in. Oh, they're here. I couldn't. Uh oh. I, here they are. All Yay. right. They're here. I couldn't afford to stay in university. I had to pay for everything myself. I didn't have that normal, you know, your parents are going to help, are going to pay for your college education. Hi. Maz <laughs> Jobrani is here. Hello. We're recording already. Maz, welcome. Welcome. How are you? How oh, are you? Doing well. We're now waiting for Tehran to show up. Okay, Maz, no hello. I'm fun, by the way. This is my husband, Matt. Fun. My hello. true love. And Hi. we have. Hi, how are you? Doing well. <laughs> a little excited. We are so excited. I'm, I'm really. Gonna text, I'm texting Tehran right now to let him know we're here. Good. And 
I want you to also meet Mustafa Purmehdi. He is my mentor. Hi, Mustafa. <laughs> Hi, Maz. Pleasure to meet How you. How are you? Pleasure Big to meet fan. you. Nice to meet Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Mustafa is a university professor, major PhD in marketing. He. Where do you teach, Mustafa? Well, right now I'm teaching in Vancouver, University oh. of Valley. I used oh, to in University of Colorado up until the pandemic. Uh, oh wow! And that's how we met. Mustafa was my mentor during the summer. Was it no? This time last year, right, Mustafa? So some years ago, Matt and I started this social movement. We believe in the art of friendship. My background is actually as a photographer. I'm a still photographer. And uh -huh. I've been shooting for a few decades now. And I traveled around the planet documenting what I was seeing. Uh, really, my whole mission was to show that we're all one family. So I photographed different tribes from around the world. And I put a book together that's uh, titled I Am, a family photo album. And... So Matt, Matt, this is Matt. Hello. <laughs> is that I'm all you No, no, no. I'm a software developer and my key focus is helping people solve problems, which kind of makes me, forces me on some levels to become very empathic because obviously when you can't do something on your computer, it's very frustrating and you get very mm -hmm. emotional and it's about <laughs> sorting through those emotions and really hearing what the person has to say and really connecting with them and, and so helping them solve their problems. That's cool. And you guys are located in the Bay Area, right? No, we are in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, Boulder. Oh, yeah, wow. We, actually, well, we used to live in the Bay Area. Condolences on the most recent yeah, incidents. Absolutely. Um, we are like nomads. We have been going from place to place around the world trying to figure out where we belong and haven't found it quite yet. Which is one of the reasons why uh, we brought you here today. I'll get into that in just a second. Um, but I guess I wanted to give you a little bit more information about us. We No problem. I'm listening to you while I'm talking to Tehran. I guess he doesn't have the link. He lost it somehow. So I'm sending it to him. <laughs> oh, thank you for doing that, by the way. Thank you no so problem. much. No problem. But okay. go on. I'm listening. So between my work and Matt's work, we're total opposites. First of all, we decided... First of all, where, wherever I traveled to, whatever country I was in, I felt like I was at home. I felt like I was meeting spirit friends, like spirit family friends. Like it was a big family reunion wherever I went. I had no trouble making friends. But as I explained through all of our episodes, growing up as an Iranian in Southern California, I was raised in Los Angeles. I, I did see the... What's... It was... It was like night, the night and day difference between cultures. And I was yeah. straddling both. I was never embraced by my Iranian heritage. And I was, I was not embraced by my own family. And I was never fully embraced by the American culture. So yeah. I was always like, like when you first came in, while we were talking today, I was saying how I always felt like an outcast, whether oh, yeah. it was going to university to, I mean, everything, my photography work even, you know, never quite fit into any particular niche. I was always on my own. But anyway, what I, one of the things I noticed was the disparaging quality and the different cultures. And then as I traveled around, I noticed every time I came back to the United States, what a big problem we have in our society here and how I, I really believe that that's the reason for so many problems is because there's a fracture of our relationships. And it started with families, how growing up and watching my friends who were totally Caucasian American being told, all right, buddy, you're out at age 18. And to me, I was like, wow, it's like, they, ha they have a lease and it, it will be up mm. upon graduation from high school and they're sure. out. And in our culture, you don't leave. And then when I was trying to leave, uh, my family was, it's a different story. I have a way different relationship with my family than most Persians do, but I had to completely cut them off. Um, well, completely. They, they had a lease. They, you, got, you got rid of them. You know, I tried not to. I had many, 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 many years of therapy to actually finally break the ties. 
and I finally did. And I did it at a very late age, you know, and, um, but I had to, because to start a whole, like Matt and I met in the martial arts and we always talk about your circle and your circle needs to be pure. Oh, he's here. Except. I would say I would say we should start recording soon too. We could keep talking about what we talk about. That's fantastic. But I I, I know we got to be done by about ten forty five. So we oh, should. Maz, we oh, have oh been. Oh dear. We have been recording. Oh, you have been. Oh great. Okay, good, good. Okay. Good. Well, it, I knew it didn't show on my end. Oh, because, Maybe because I usually I record. Uh, okay, go ahead. Well, the thing is, we have this. So I'm a photographer, and before the pandemic, I was ready to start shooting again. So we have mm-hmm. all this fancy equipment that you don't see yet. So we record in not like a traditional way. Tehran, are you here? It takes a minute to talk. (gasps) There he is. He's so adorable. Oh, my goodness. He's adorable. I'm adorable. (laughs) Tehran, welcome. Hi, I'm Fawn. Hi, Fawn. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I want you to meet um, my husband, my true love. This is Matt. Hello. Hi, Matt, the true love. You know what? I feel like you're my true love. I don't know. (laughs) Thank you, Tehran. And, be a thing. and we have a very dear friend. Actually, you guys have a lot in common. This is Mustafa. Hormezi. Mustafa, also half black, half Persian. Hi, Mustafa. How are you? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Tehran? I'm great. I just realized that you uh, have done a degree in law. Yeah. And I'm telling Fawn that uh, the guy is so approachable. You never know he's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mustafa, tell them, tell them your background. Yeah, so um, I'm a professor of marketing. I teach in Vancouver at the University of Fraser Valley now. I used to teach in Boulder, Colorado. That's where I actually met Fawn and Matt. I think it's a cool story to talk about. It was early in the pandemic and CU Boulder, the university I was working for at the time, was having this initiative to support local businesses, local entrepreneurs. So they matched these volunteer professors with local startups. I was matched with Fawn, not really knowing that she was Persian. We were just trying to help these businesses on the growth stage to keep their momentum. And I was really excited to understand that Fawn was Iranian and she was working on this very fantastic cultural product, which is like a foundation uh, and one aspect of which is this podcast. So that's how we know each other. And while uh, Mustafa was talking about SWOT analysis, like all this, all these things I didn't understand, I have. I feel like I'm a Persian Iranian with amnesia because I was just telling Maz the whole story, and now we're running out of time. I'm tr- I'll try to make it really quick, you guys. So we started this this movement. It's a social movement, really. We started a matchmaking service because I was trying to tell Maz that as a photographer traveling from country to country, photographing different tribes, working on my book, I really noticed what was happening. Every time I came back to the United States, I saw, it was illuminated. It was so clear to me what our deepest problems are. And so we decided, and and honestly, we made friends wherever we met. And one of the things was, I was always trying to escape LA. I was just telling Maz, Tehran, that I had to completely cut my family off, which is a a reason why I have amnesia is first of all i haven't spoken farsi in years mustafa tried to talk to me during the summer and i froze because i couldn't understand what he was saying because i'm like can you slow down it was so weird and when you were teaching me swat analysis i kept hearing words from my past like one of them was ostad and Mm -hmm. so just last week i'm like Mustafa, I think I know what it means, but can you explain Ostad to me? He's like, yeah, it's like someone knowledgeable. It's a professor. I'm like, that's you. Okay, so it's starting to come back to me. And one of the reasons I'm having you, Maz, and you, Tehran, here is because our show is about reconnecting. Our show is about our interconnectedness as human beings around the world. It's about friendship. And we believe that everything, everything comes down to the art of friendship and so much can be solved with it. Not just, I mean, we we focus on the loneliness epidemic, but really it's way more than that. And so I'm all over the place. But what happened was 
as I traveled, I realized there's a friendship issue and we had no problems making friends. And because I cut off my family, I was always trying to get away from Los Angeles, which is where I grew up. We moved there when I was six months old. And I spent a little bit of time in Iran, like in the first half of first grade and then half of second grade. But that was it. And my family didn't talk. I have an absurd family. We didn't speak. So I didn't speak Farsi that much. And they didn't speak English either. So there was not a whole lot of communication going on. So I, I spent most of my life just listening and watching people, not just my family, but my relatives, watching all my friends, watching our society. I was always quietly watching and taking notes. And so we started this thing because of my original mentor, which is actually a city. So which I'll tell you a little bit really quick, turned out to be my mentor. I grew up near Santa Monica. I went to Santa Monica as a child on my bicycle, w would ride forever to sit on this little part of the beach and I would sit there I didn't even know what meditation was back then you know now I'm one of the things I am is a, a yoga instructor and all of that so and I have a huge influence of uh, brought about by the Indian culture I spent time with Swami Rama I was a documentary photographer photographing physicians in the foothills of the Himalayas where they combined panchakarma with open heart surgery like total blending of cultures and sciences one of the things i wanted to talk about and i'm gonna let you guys talk i know it seems like i'm talking forever but one of the things that happened was santa monica became my original mentor i didn't realize this growing up but she was always there and i was always sucked back to la i was always trying to escape it i lived in all these other places worked in all these other cities but always sucked back to la never understood why until uh the very final last time was santa monica and it turned out to be my mentor and it was the catalyst for creating what we created now what we are working on now which in a, it was like a bubble of time 13 year period where i learned the true art of friendship and community of all places los angeles for me was like i can't believe th i'm learning this here it was like living in italy 800 years ago this tiny little area in santa monica we lived on main street we were all family all of us like if you look at just our tattoos like the group of friends we hung out with you had everything from beautiful maori designs to you know the the numbers from auschwitz but we all skateboarded together rollerbladed we went to happy hour we were there was no ageism no sexism none of that no ism we were family and it was such a beautiful village it didn't last we ended up it ended up like bubble kind of bursts you know it gets thin it disappears that's what happened but the lessons carried on which brings me to today our show our podcast it's called our friendly world with fun and matt we talk about the art of friendship and how it's the key to social economic and racial well-being our topics usually range from anything from our experience with martial arts our rituals in society everything in life we talk about because that's what friendship is we talk about everything it's about showing up for one another so to begin with, I always start our show with a nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica. And today it's the bowling ball. This was the beginning of all of our bonds coming together. We lived in this big, big building on Main Street in Santa Monica. You can't miss it. It's the huge, basically city footprint is the building. And on the bottom level you had it's, I'm sure it's still there, the One Life grocery store. It wasn't just that building. It was everyone within like an eight-block radius. We were all friends. And so the bowling ball. We, in the middle of the night one night, we were coming upstairs to the second floor, and we are standing in front of this bowling ball that's there. And we're like, bowling ball? What are you doing here? And we started laughing hysterically. 
we took the bowling ball, we took it to the second floor and we had these long hallways and we started rolling the bowling ball and it was a few of us. We had, uh, we were friends and we started rolling. It's in the middle of the night and it's making all this noise and we're trying to whisper. We're like howling with laughter, whispering, trying to be quiet, but we're rolling the ball. And then I found out one of the neighbors who never came out, there was one guy who won the lottery, but no one ever saw him. He was watching us from the peephole mm -hmm. and he would send us notes. We never saw this man. But anyway, so we were all involved with this bowling ball and made us laugh so hard. It turned out that we were new to the building and what was happening was people would leave things in between floors so we would find couches and beautiful coffee tables and like china and like you name it we would find the most amazing treasures the first one was this bowling ball and it brought us all together and it just created so much laughter so the wisdom of this the wisdom of this nugget of information is this the principal function of laughter is the creation and the deepening of our social bonds laughter is a social tool, a form of communication. Conversations, if you've noticed, that have laughter in them are the most long-lasting. Laughter is a signal that says, I'm wanting to engage with you further. It's a way to test the boundaries of our relationships, and it's medicine. As a yoga person, I talk about the parasympathetic nervous system. That's what eases your nerves, the most particular nerve, it's called the vagus nerve. This thing controls mood, your immune response, your digestion, your heart rate. It goes from your brain all the way down to the depths of your digestive system. And I think laughter totally stimulates and enhances this whole system. It's called a vogal tone. When you breathe a certain way and you use certain muscles in your face, it massages you. It releases toxins it just heals you and i think that's what you do i not i think but maz and tehran that's what you do and that's one of the reasons i have you here today with us is not to just not just to reconnect me with my background but to talk about your work as ambassadors of light and laughter for example i'm going to stop talking in a second but like when mac mac goes to sleep really early he starts his day at 3 30 in the morning and so we have two little girls and confession we love the tv when you're asleep so we sit on the couch and just to let you know our little girls we're original homeschoolers by the way like before we're not pandemic homeschoolers they're these two genius girls and we we wanted them to remain vibrant and completely open to loving to learn but they know what's going on i've taught them everything from the very beginning they know what's up and so when we and i know they're scared i know i'm scared every day we know exactly what's going on around the globe but at the end of the day we're watching trevor noah and on saturday nights we watch snl and you should hear the howling, squealing laughter these girls have. And it just washes away all the fear and the stress that I know they have also. And that's what you do. And I just, I want to thank you so much. Maz and Tehran, thank you for coming. You beautiful human beings. Mustafa, thank you for coming because I've been such an outcast uh, within our Persian community. And something transformed Mustafa when you and I met and I'm so grateful and one of the things that happened right around we met was during the pandemic I was trying to get some Persian ingredients we love to cook around here we're crazy vegan and we we needed rose water and I wasn't I didn't want to go out there Boulder is crazy nobody wears masks nobody cares and so I'm not, I'm not going out there. I'm not going to risk it. So I found this great store called the Persian basket and I've ordered some stuff. And then we, we started to have this, uh, conversation. Back conversation via email. And the way they spoke to me made me cry because I felt so embraced by them. And we became friends with the owners and I'm going to have them on the show as well. One of the words that I learned from them is Hamvatan. 
I didn't know what it meant. I kind of felt like I knew what it meant, but I have to look it up. And I talked to Mustafa about it. I got the meaning. And that's today's topic is that Hambatan is people who have a connection with one another, countrymen, compatriots, landsmen, fellow citizen, uh, a person born, residing, or holding citizenship in the same country. We're the same, something we have in common. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the United States. The quality of our relationships are so crucial to our survival. I want to dive deep in the little time we have, dive into our current world's social structure. Things are so complicated right now, more than ever before. There's this profound moment in history that we're living in right now. The U.S., our status, our innovation, also our entitlement and ignorance. It's really a human thing, really, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the United States, we've never been without war. We have always been at war. And what kind of toll does that take on human beings? We're not even realizing how much stress we're under, how much grief we have until we leave, right? And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about true home. What is it? And with that, I will stop talking now. I took up most of the time. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) So where do we go from here? Well, it feels like we just had a therapy session. I got to look up and go, your time is up. Uh, (laughs) No, it's good. It's good that you talked and you hit on a lot of subjects. Listen, um, I'm happy that you guys are doing what you're doing. And you're right. I think laughter, I mean, I'll let Tehran give his reason. But the reason I got into comedy was because I was a comedy fan. The way that your daughters like to laugh. I like to laugh. Uh, When I was a kid, I used to watch Saturday Night Live. Um, and I didn't know what it was, but it probably was a way to deal with anxieties and stresses caused by being in a, in a home that, um, was going through, you know, our family, like your family came from a revolution. So there's probably turmoil at the home. There's probably turmoil at school because you're dealing with a new world and you're dealing with kids that don't know you. You're dealing with the kids that you don't know. And so there's a lot of stuff there and laughter, I think is a great tool for, like you said, um, uh, uh, touching you in a, uh, in a way that, 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 that takes away some of these anxieties, takes away some of the unknowns. It can connect people, which is when we're at shows, we do a show and there's not just one person, but maybe 50 people or 100 people laughing together. So it connects people. And you see it in cultures, Fawn, I think, Maybe you saw it sometimes. I mean, the Iranian culture is pretty good with telling jokes, but there are people in our community that are very serious. There are people in some of the Arab cultures that I visited um, that were of an older generation that were more um, more uh, um, committed to this idea of being serious and being respectful of elders rather than laughing and so I seen, I, I did an event one time for, um, I think it was Royal Jordanian, but it was a lot of uh, executives and they all seemed very serious. Now, maybe it could have been also, they probably didn't speak English that well and I was doing the show in English and they were speaking, they, they spoke Arabic. But um, I think that you guys are onto something when you talk about what you said about laughter. And so I got into comedy because I was a fan of comedy. Um, Tehran, why did you get into comedy? Because of you. I wasn't doing comedy. And then Moz came to town and had me on stage and then encouraged me to do comedy. And next thing you know, I was doing comedy. That's how it works. <laughs> Moz is a pioneer. I remember he was the first person I saw uh, as an Iranian doing a stand-up. And I was like, wow, this is possible. Yeah, and that's, well, that's also part of that is the timing. I, I think I'll go back to Fawn again with her Iranian family. I think most people of my generation, most of my friends bought into this idea, going back to serious versus humor, bought into the idea that they needed to listen to their parents and be doctors and lawyers and engineers or whatever else the family wanted them to do. So that was the first generation. And the way I explain it is my parents, like Fawn, I came when I was six years old. We come to America. A lot of times when immigrants come to America, they set up shop. They either get a business going, they do something, buy property, whatever it is, but they 
get here, they bring their kids, they work hard with the intention of having those kids do what those parents want them to do, which usually entails some sort of job or career that is um, has a good reputation, uh, has a good name, and has a secure future. I think I don't think parents are looking to be detrimental to their kids' future. I think they just want a good future, a secure future. So those things, this is the first generation that comes, then their kids end up being the lawyers, doctors, engineers. Somehow, Mustafa, I broke out. And I think that somehow happened the same way uh, Fawn and Matt's kids are experiencing comedy was that I experienced comedy and it opened my eyes and I said, I want to do that. And even when I said, I want to do that, my parents kept saying, no, there's, there, how do you do that? Nobody knows how, you, how do you become a comedian? Nobody, there's not, there's no grad school. There's no uh, 401k. There's no corporate company you go work for. So it took a lot of butt, heading butts, uh, butting heads until I was 26 years old. That's how long it took. A lot of comedians start when they're 16, 17. I was 26. I tried a bunch of other things and kept running into the idea that this is not for me. And when I was 26 is when I had the light bulb moment, which is you live once and you should live for yourself, make yourself happy first, and then you can make those around you happy. And if you're lucky enough, you can go on and possibly make others that you don't even know around the world happy. And so when you say I'm a pioneer, I was a pioneer simply because I broke out of that group of my friends and did this before anybody else, because now, the world we live in, we have people like Tehran and Maximini and uh, Amir K. Actually, back then we had Omid Jalili, who was out of England as well. So there was the two of us, but then suddenly it grew and grew and grew. And it's beautiful now, because now you look out there and there's a whole generation of people and people now below us, younger than us, who are realizing you can do this for a career. Absolutely. Everyone has their talents. Everyone has their gifts. And I think when you're under duress and you need to survive, you do what you have to. And there's no sense of leisure to say, I'm going to pursue the arts. I think there's a lot we need to be concerned about in society when there is no art, because that means something's really wrong. When emotions aren't created, when art isn't created, there is a big problem. And I think as immigrants, there's no leisure, there's no ability, there's no capacity for anything other than survival. So there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, you know, you better fall in this line. And if, if you put your toe over the line, you're, you're, it's just not okay. And so that's what I think would happen with me. Um, but, and then I just feel like, I got into this state where there's no sense of hambatan to anything, meaning like I don't belong to anyone. I, I haven't. This is the first time I've been speaking with any Persian people. We've Matt and I have been moving from place to place, trying to figure out where we belong. And in most of the places we've lived, I'm the only non-white person around, and. It's hectic and the girls see it. Matt kind of, you're pretty oblivious to it. Thanks. But like, no, I'm sorry, but it's true. Like at the airport. Oh my Dude, God. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just going to say thanks. Matt will cruise on. He's gone and I'm being held up and frisked. Like ever since it just, I used to love traveling guys. The airport was my, my happy place. And then 9-11 happened and then traveling with my husband, people don't think we're together. The way I get treated, and then he's gone, thinking he, Vaughn's right behind me, and I'm not. I'm held back by security. Anyway, um, what was I saying? There's no sense of belonging, and, and that's what I really want to talk about, is how, can you guys explain to me what's been going on? Because Because I've been away from Persian people and my culture for so long, I recently started to look at what's out there and I came across Tehran and I came across all these amazing artists that are doing amazing things. And not only that, but they speak Farsi so fluently. Like I remember when I was a kid, I would listen to reporters, Persian, Iranian reporters speak and it was a different speak. It's like a book, book speak. How do you describe it? It's like I couldn't understand what they were saying. 
Yeah, the tone has changed definitely. No, but uh, like they speak, relaxed. it's so intellectual. Like, I don't know, my stupid mind was like, hey, since I've left, the whole Persian community has disappeared. And then all of a sudden I realized, wow, all these young people have their community. They're part of their beautiful culture and they have no Persian accent and they're, they're doing phenomenal things. They're amazing leaders in our society and i just feel left out i want back in guys not that i was ever in but i want to know what's going on i want i want to truly understand our roots and like even on our show we talk about we get into words we get into like we look into the etymology of everything and where it comes from and looking at latin roots but I'm like, Mustafa, where do I go to find out our roots for our words? It's not Latin, is it? It's not, right? Well, our words or not, no. But so we use the word Hanvatan. I think Mars and Tehran also uh, know of this word. Uh, but in English, you use the word compatriot, uh, which, uh, you know, from Latin, if you, you know, want to talk about it. Patria is like the father's land and Come patria means the land that we share. So uh, Hamvatan in a way means people who share the same land. But it probably goes uh, beyond Actually, that. it goes way beyond that, Mustafa. So I think a lot of times because a lot of Iranians are in it, they don't realize it, which is where I come into play. I get to look at the same box, but from outside the box and know what I'm looking into. And that's a huge difference. A lot of people, when they are part of something, they're just in the box. And when they're in the box, they know they're in the box, they're part of the box, they live in the box, but they don't see it from without. I get to do that as a person who's mixed. And with Farsi words, Farsi's words break down to their linguistic roots. Every single word breaks down to whatever the root of the word is, gives meaning to the word itself. So let's examine the word ham vatan. It doesn't mean same nation. That's actually the misconception. It means we are all and our skin, but our skin and our essence, ham vatan. Ham is a word, va is a word, tan is a word. So when you put them together, you say them so quickly, you don't break them down. It's much like in Farsi where we say khuda, God, but we forget that khuda's root comes from khud, me. <gasps> That's not a khud, khuda. Wow. Right? Yes. The root comes from me. So it starts with me. Ham, batan. We, us. There is no limitation. There's no li limitation to us and our essence are shared. So while it's broken down now to nationality, the truth of it is we are all Hamvatan. That's like that. exactly like that. where I was hoping this would go. Tehran, you, oh my God, I love you so much. Thank you for that. That is perfect. The truth usually is perfect. That's the, the, truth, will the set, truth. The truth will set you free. Thank nice. you, Maz. The truth is perfect. It is the the simple that is the most profound. When we were talking about ham batan and batan and ham, and then I, I, I was like, oh, wait a minute. So baham is a word meaning together, right? Baham ba is two words, but yes, it means together. With? Ham, hame. It's, that's, that, that's, it's the concept of togetherness. Right. And that's that's my whole point with Us. our our whole social movement, our whole friendship movement, the art of friendship is what I'm trying to convey. What I'm having people try to relearn, even us, for us to relearn is that we belong to each other, that m my heart is your home. Your home is my heart. My heart is your home. Am I making sense? Yes. Matt is quiet because he's the only non-Persian here. The, the, the other thing is, is I like to think I'm funny, so I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> I'm sure you are funny, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> That's Matt, all I can do say. You know, do you know your ethnic roots, your, uh, your origin? Do you know them? Oh, I'm, 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 I'm a kind of a Northern European mongrel, but yeah. 
Because you would be surprised the IR in Ireland, for example, and the IR in Iran mean exactly the same thing. Nice. They come from a very similar place, the land of the Aryans, but not Aryans the way that is described post uh, 1930s through mm-hmm. Nazi Germany, but the truth of the the group of people, cultural understanding and belonging of an ethnicity of people. It's interesting. Absolutely. So I'm not crazy. We are truly interconnected. Right. Of course. That's why Farsi is an Indo-European language. It is. That's, yeah. It is? It is. It's an Indo-European language. That's right. What does that That's even so, mean? Right. Can you break that down for me real quick? An Indo-European language is specifically a language that exists uh, in the European and in, in the basically subcontinent of India parts of the world, which is why it's different from Arabic, even though we share uh, approximately 40% of the same vocabulary as Arabic. Arabic and Farsi are very different languages in the way they are cultivated, even though we share a lot of vocabulary. So people misinterpret. So Farsi as a language would be much closer to Italian or French than it would be to Arabic as a language. However, there are certain things in Farsi that are very unique to the concept of Farsi. For example, in Farsi, there is no gender in the language. Gender is something that's introduced much, much later going past the Islamic revolutions. And when I say that, I mean the original ones in the thousands, not the one in 1979. The concept of gender as we are talking were of female and male names. But originally, gender names did not exist in Iran, which is why we have a lot of overlapping names. But also, I can never say she in Iran. I can never say he. I can just say you, them, us, but I cannot differentiate gender-wise. I have to explain that, which is a concept in the in the original Persian Empire, there was no difference between men and women. How did you learn all this? There are these amazing things in the world called books, <laughs> and a lot of people don't utilize them. They actually just take information <laughs> from other people and then just keep playing telephone with that information. And then basically they they disseminate that information as if it's true when there are actual understandings of this information and people who are these mysterious things that Americans have forgotten, for example, called experts. They're experts. These are people who actually studied a subject and they actually know a lot about this subject. More importantly, uh, from these books and these experts, people just assume that their personal experience is the ultimate truth. When it's not, there's a much bigger part of, of a story than that. And these experts with this research and their knowledge, and then you go and digest this information and then add your own personal experience to it. And that creates more information. It's, it's an amazing process. Here's an interesting tidbit. Uh, pe- people in America spend more on lottery tickets than they do on books. Just a heads up. So they mm-hmm. want to get rich quick as opposed to learning how to possibly better themselves and get rich. Um, you guys, we got to get off in about two minutes. So <sighs> we should start wrapping it up. I don't even know how to wrap it up. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I don't know. (laughs) I would say this, that if the world had more fawns and mats in the world, the world would be a much better place. Thank you. Honestly, if the world had more comedians, sorry, sorry for this, but I'm going to throw it right back to you, showing us the, the universality of our experiences. I think this world would be a much more peaceful place. Let me let me correct that, man. Good comedians, good comedians. Uh, great, me, great comedians. Let, let me not let. I, I don't want to leave Mustafa out because he might yeah. not be a comedian, but you can tell he's a sweet soul. So let's just say, if uh, the world could just have more people like the, that are on this podcast, it would be a better place. Basically, if oh, we were the only people in the world, it'd be a great place. It'd be a great place. Great place to wrap it up. Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Basically, we are the only ones that count. You're welcome, society. <laughs> <laughs> thank You're you so much world. thank you for being here you guys i i hope to have you back so we can get into it more again thank you for your time oh we absolutely love you. thank you so much was, i mean you. maz the first time i heard you was i thought it was just me who had an american citizenship with an american passport with tehran iran written on it which really was hard after 9-11 yeah, <laughs> when yeah, you were no. talking about that, just that brought a healing for me. Thank you so much. I well, love you. you. We love you so thank much. You. 
you want to know something funny? Yes. I wasn't born in Iran, and yet my passport also says Tehran. How crazy that is that? That is true. That is actually <laughs> technically a truth. That is technically a very, that is a true truth. See? All right, everyone. You guys, best to your daughters. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank Talk you so later. much. Bye-bye. Bye, Mustafa. Bye. Best to you and Bye. yours. Bye. 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 See you guys. Bye, guys. Khodafiz. 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 Mustafa, that went way too fast. Oh, wow. my God. Oh, I'm exhausted, and I didn't do... I, I said 20 words, and you're, you should probably cut me out of what I said. No. But I think I gave you a breather, so I think that that was the most important part to I, gather. I was really nervous, guys. I really look up to these people. You know, we rarely have guests on our show. Mustafa, you know this. And, and here we are with three guests on one show. I mean, and and yeah, and yeah, then to have to have them. I mean, they're world-renowned comics. They are very patient. They are very loving, and they are great. I am sure, hundred percent sure, they are great hosts. Yeah, I mean, and that's also the Persian thing, right, Mustafa? We know how to, we know how to host. We know how yeah, to invite people to our homes. Thing for us to show hospitality we really care about that there is this whole concept of a didani which in the noruz we do families visit one another and when you visit a family they have to pay you a revisit you know mm. uh, in a way so you know just return the visit and in the next visit you know you have to at least go up to the standard the uh, standards that you saw in the first visit so it's, it's god that's that's wait, that's so funny because wait. there is a native american tribe that i'm gonna butcher it the tlinglet who have a very mm -hmm. similar thing if you get invited over for a party you're expected to invite your host over to a party and literally give them more what they end up distributing like most of their wealth during these parties and this was back in the day and you're expected to invite them to your house and give them even more Stuff. That's right. And and it's this cycle. And so there's like basically the entire community is responsible for inviting the entire community over to their place for a party. But, it creates pain effect. Right, exactly. That's what we have too. And growing up, sometimes it got painful for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much pressure. You know, we have to back up. We have to explain what we're talking about. So what Mustafa is referring to is Eden Oruz, which is the Persian New Year. And it's really the beginning of spring. And Mustafa, you taught me that it was Omar Khayyam. Yeah. Most people know him as Omar Khayyam. How do, how do, you, how do Americans pronounce this? Omar Khayyam. Um, uh, first of all, they cannot do the khay. Could you tell us how he started the whole time situation? Yeah. So Nuruz is a long-lasting tradition over 3,000 years. It literally means new day, right? It means new day. And it is the advent of the spring and it coincides with the spring equinox. That's when the spring begins in the Northern Hemisphere. And the Persians have been able to calculate the moment that spring starts, which is basically when the sun crosses the celestial equator and equalizes the night and day. Now, the one Persian guy who calculated this to the minute is Omar Khayyam who is a superb person, you know, is a very fascinating guy. And um, most people just know him as a poet. Yes, that's right. And it's because the poems of Omar Khayyam have been translated into English. I believe it was around 1859 when Edward Fitzgerald, this English fellow, translates these poems and publishes them. It takes a few years before they become popular, which is a lesson of business strategy I like to talk about in my classes. But when they become popular, they take the world by storm. And uh, it is estimated that it is uh, this this book of poems is the best-selling uh, book of poems in the world by the number of 
uh, volumes it sold, number of copies actually it sold. 1859, that's when Darwin actually published his work. The world was interested in new ideas about its past and what the world, the universe is about. So the poems of Khayyam are also about uh, the universe, the time, uh, what uh, went on before us, what's coming in the future. So it really was timely content at the time that it was published. And uh, you'd be surprised that when it became popular, there were dining clubs in London dedicated to this book and these poems. So people would get together, I would assume weekly or monthly or what, but on occasion they would get together, dine and have a night of poetry and recite these poems. It even came to America. You'd find it surprising that we had Omar Khayyam clubs in America as well. So it's really interesting, this guy. He's a poet. We know that. But he was also a mathematician. He's written in several books. One is this book about differential mathematics. It describes how to find solutions for two parameter equations for the first time, 500 years before Newton did. He's got a book on music. He's got a book on algebra. This guy has been so influential on the side of his scientific character. One area on the moon, uh, I'm not sure you know, what it is, but I think it's one of the volcanic things on the moon has been named after Omar Khayyam. Wow. Uh, yeah, because he was an astrologer too. And this is where I'm trying to tie it back to the whole idea of Nowruz. He was commissioned by the king of his time to create the most advanced observatory to study the celestials and create an accurate calendar. At the time, this is post-Islam, so Arabs have invaded Persia. Their language has changed to Arabic from Farsi. The calendar has changed to the Arabic calendar, which, by the way, was a lunar calendar. So it's based on the circulation of moon around the earth. And the, the king, the shah, wanted to create a solar calendar, which is about uh, rotation of earth around the sun. Now, a little interesting tidbit, we're talking about almost 500 years before Galileo uttered his ideas about how uh, the earth is not the center of the universe, and it's revolving around other objects. Omar Khayyam had already written books about this 500 years before that, he created this calendar that's the most accurate calendar to date, even more accurate than the Gregorian calendar. And he really helped the whole Persian traditional Nowruz to gain legitimacy in the sense that we are then the people who can who basically observe the advent of spring and celebrate that millions of families do that today uh, through iran other countries as well that there are people in central asia east asia in the balkans area in europe who celebrate no roots which is fantastic wow Thank nice. you so much for that i love it when you talk i love learning from you and I mean, this is what I was trying to get at with Maz and Tehran and talking about the feeling like when you reach capacity, when you're under so much duress, when you're constantly at war, that you tend to become really selfish and myopic and that you're not able to be more caring for your fellow human being because you're always at such a survival mode. And that's where you live. And it causes you to contract. And mm -hmm. it causes you to become a little bit ignorant of the grander scheme of things in the universe. There's so much to learn. There is so much to experience. And I'm so grateful for you being here, Mustafa, not just on our podcast, but in our lives. So we can have these discussions and relearn. Oh, you guys too. Thank you. And, you know, to have these conversations is so important amongst friends because 
We've all been gathering information here and there, and it's really important for us to share. And that is what true friendship is. Absolutely. We need to grow. We need to keep expanding our universe. And sharing our experiences and really going through and in the process of sharing, get more stories and more understanding and understand how universal the human experience can be. You said it perfectly, Matt, to have more understanding. More and understanding would change everything overnight, bring light to things that have been embedded in the dark and creating so many problems that are unnecessary. So I guess let's continue this conversation. We want to talk about technology with you next. So in a few days, can we get back back on the horn? What do you call this? Back, back on the mic, if you will? <laughs> I'll be happy to. Thank you, awesome. Mustafa. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I hope I didn't, I know I talked way too much during this You show. were so excited. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she was excited seeing Maz in Tehran. I barely looked at them on screen because every time I did, I freaked out. Because I'm like, Maz is not <laughs> smiling. Why? I don't, so I looked away. I hope people enjoyed it. You I have no them. idea how that went. You loved them a lot. Um, and, and they both had, I think, a good opportunity. But yeah, it was good. Honestly. All right, folks. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna go hide under the covers now. This was. She's gonna have outbursts for the rest of the day. I will and have all day tomorrow oh, at least. Yes, that's what I do. <laughs> all right, everybody. We will talk to you in a few days. Have a beautiful every day, and make sure you visit our websites, either ourfriendlyworld.com or ourfriendlyworldpodcast.com. Look for Mustafa. Hit, all his information is there. He's the most amazing teacher. And you do one-on-ones with people. You do special I do, classes. Yes. Um, check him out. Check him out. His website again is nex3.xyz. That's nex3.xyz. Mustafa is the most brilliant teacher, you guys. Check him out. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being with you and Matt today love you we love you our whole family loves you all right friends talk to you in a little bit be well bye